At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What is up, Zinger Nation? Welcome back to Moon or Bust, your home for all things crypto at Benzinga. My name is Logan. This is Ryan. And we have an exciting episode planned for you today. We're going to be talking a little bit of Bitcoin, a little bit of NFTs. Let's get right into it. All right, Ryan, first order of business, you linked a thread in the document about the ENS name wrapper. Uh, we're going to be featuring a, a guest on today's episode that is related to ENS. Um, could you give us a little overview of that? Yeah, so the guest on the show today is actually from EPNS, Ethereum Push Notification Service. Really cool company. I found them and I met them at NFT NYC. They have some huge backers. They are involved with the Ethereum Foundation. They got Binance Labs backing them, Jump Capital backing them. Actually, I think it's just Jump, right? Just Jump? I couldn't tell you. Okay, well, they got a lot of really big investors. They are adding push notification services to DeFi. So right now, I mean, you can go on, you know, provide liquidity somewhere. But if you get liquidated, you don't know until you go back on that application. I think this will have a lot of implementations once social media hits the blockchain. Uh, so a lot of new things coming with EPNS. They're coming on at 2.30 today to talk to us about all they've been doing, both of the co-founders, Risha and Harsh. So I'm excited for that. Uh, but we have a lot to cover. We didn't have the show last week. We were at Rolling Loud covering rappers making NFTs. And Future brought out his board ape. I thought that was pretty Pretty cool. We were up close to the stage, and uh, you know, I told you, Logan. I mean, Yuga Labs did not pay for that, right? I mean, nope. I mean, all these other companies were advertising at Rolling Loud, probably paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to get their brand out there. And then Future brings out his bored ape on his set, playing some of his most known songs. I thought that was super cool to see. Yeah, Ryan, we we had a good conversation about that. Is like as you mentioned, all these companies pay huge bucks uh, to get their their domain and their IP featured in front of this audience, but Future has the incentive to do it. That's one of the cool things about NFTs. Uh, and we'll get into that and more in a little bit. We do have a second special guest coming on, uh, a friend of mine, Lewis, who works for Anthony Pompliano. Uh, and he's going to be telling us about Pomp's training course. Uh, and we might be giving away a $1,200 access pass to this training course so stay tuned uh learn more if you're interested we will fill you in on all the good stuff there um ryan i want to do uh i want to save the ens stuff until after we talk to lewis um so maybe what other news uh, ha have we seen in the past couple weeks well this news is a little bit stale now but i think we should cover it because we did not have the show last week but tesla ended up selling 75 percent of their bitcoin stake at an average price of around twenty nine thousand dollars. so they did take a loss on that i think they ended up netting around 960 million dollars uh, from that sale but i think that their cost basis was right around 1.2 billion dollars uh, so tesla did end up paper handsing their bitcoin <laughs> position they still have some 25 percent so yep. 
um, well, what, what is that? Probably around like $300 million worth of Bitcoin. Nowhere near that $1.5 billion purchase that they made last year. Uh, but I thought this was interesting. I mean, Elon Musk said he had diamond hands. He was going to hodl Bitcoin. Yet now here he is selling Tesla's Bitcoin position, you know, keeping 25%. So hopefully he'll diamond hands that. Uh, but he did end up selling almost a billion dollars of Bitcoin. And people are saying, you know, this is a little bit funny because it looks like Elon might have liquidated Three Arrows Cap. <laughs> <laughs> to a degree you know it's obviously just like kind of a funny coincidence but to a degree i mean he did play a role a billion dollar sale uh obviously not all at once some of it probably was otc uh but what do you think logan do you think he played a part in liquidating three ac what do you think about this sale of bitcoin i mean 75 percent of their position that is a big amount yeah he undeniably played a part in it providing a billion dollars of downside pressure is no small matter uh especially when it came to the market conditions that he dumped it in right uh so i do think that that's funny he's the one who brought it brought it down in may of last year and he's the one who brought it down this year he's also the one who brought it up so i don't know we'll see um i think that is an interesting move from tesla especially to sell it at a loss like that um but good news is he kept all of his dogecoin <laughs> At what five cents? And that's uh, that's te that's not Tesla's Dogecoin, correct? Or does Tesla own some Dogecoin? I think Tesla owns some Dogecoin too. Uh, I know they accepted it for a lot of their merchandise payments, so they they're probably diamond handing all of that. Um, all right, we got we got Lewis backstage. I'm gonna bring him on. We're gonna talk about Anthony Pompliano's training course. Lewis, thank you for joining us today. Logan Ryan, thank you for having me. Yeah, the pleasure is ours. Let me figure out this background situation. It looks really boring right now. Okay, cool. Boom. There we go. All right. Sweet. Lewis, we met in a Bitcoin Miami conference in April of this year. Uh, but for everybody else out there, give us your background. Yeah. So I work with Anthony Pompliano, the, the Pomp, as people call him, on marketing all of his education, training, kind of employment businesses. So that's Pomp Crypto Jobs for people looking for new careers in the industry. That is the Crypto Academy for people looking to upskill and become more qualified for those jobs. And that is recently, we announced this one or two weeks ago, Proof of Talent as well, which is kind of one of the best mm. recruiting organizations in the industry. Proof of Talent, is that a on-chain system? I don't believe so. I believe it is so just a very clever name. Gotcha. So tell us about what the Pomp Academy offers. You mentioned it is uh, you know, educational. Uh, and also for talent recruiting. Um, but what does that look like in practice? Yes, it is a three-week intensive training program. There are six live sessions with Pomp. He gives lectures on the fundamentals of Bitcoin, the fundamentals of all other aspects of the cryptocurrency ecosystem, a lot of background context on the history of Bitcoin, the history of money, the history of monetary policy. It's really a crash course in, in macro econ as well, not just, you know, this is what the white paper is and I'm reading it to you. It's, it's a whole lot more than that. And then over the course of those three weeks, there's also an additional 50 optional sessions with another set of really talented coaches that are deep dives, walking people through their first explorations with self-custody. There's going into the metaverse. There's obviously a lot of deep dives on NFTs and other aspects of the Web3 ecosystem. And then there's a Slack community with around 2,000 people that you can also kind of chat all morning and night with about your questions. So you don't have to annoy your friends and family who are tired of hearing you ask all your questions <laughs> about Bitcoin and crypto. So who is this course designed for? Yeah, there's a, I say there's really three archetypes of people who really benefit from the training program. So the first is that person who's dead set on, they want to transition into Bitcoin and crypto. It's the future. They might have a really solid skill set and some web two background, but they're not really able to talk the talk in a way that kind of communicates the authenticity, the understanding that like that you get it, the culture of Web3 and mm -hmm. crypto. So it's helping that person fill in any knowledge gaps and kind of understand how to talk the talk and also, you know, be able to answer those follow-up questions and those deeper levels of understanding. And then the second is kind of what I was hinting at a second ago, which is that community. So people who maybe they live in some rural area, they don't have, it's not, they don't live in like Nashville, right? So there's not a Thursday night Bitcoin meetup with 50 or 60 enthusiastic people. So it's just their friends and family who are tired of hearing about it. So now you have a group of people who are willing to hop on Zoom calls for hours and hours a day to really satisfy all of your curiosity. And the third is that kind of current professional who already has a job and they see how a knowledge of Bitcoin or crypto can really enhance their ability to bring new value to their existing firm. Awesome. Ryan, I know that you have some questions about this. Uh, why don't you go ahead? 
Yeah, sure. So I know Pomp has a huge network of crypto related jobs. He has that site, Pomp Crypto Jobs, which I feel like everybody in the industry knows about now. Uh, where are people getting recruited after this course? Do you have any success stories you could share with us? Yeah, absolutely. We do have on the website, the cryptoacademy.io, a success stories page with, I don't know, 50 plus testimonials of specifics in terms of who people were, where they were before the training program and, and where they ended up after. But kind of the, the high level number is more than 70 of the top companies in the industry now have alumni from the Crypto Academy working at them. That's all the major exchanges you can think of. That's Coinbase, that's Gemini, that's BlockFi. Those are Web3 companies. There's OpenSea. There's, there's tons more. So the, this goes through cohorts. How many cohorts have you guys had? How long has this been going on? Has it been changing uh, with each cohort or is it kind of set in stone uh, from when you guys have begun? Yeah, so we just finished the 15th cohort last night. That uh, wraps up with career day where we actually have wow. three to four um, HR teams come in and speak to the students about their open roles, how to be a an especially advantageous candidate based on what they're looking for. But 15 cohorts, we definitely iterate and improve every single time. There's you know, a questionnaire after every survey. What did we do well? What could we have done better? And we incorporate those suggestions. Maybe we didn't have an optional session on some new emerging topic that just, you know, things pop up. We've been running the program for 18 months and a lot of new things didn't exist at the beginning that exist now that people would be disappointed if we didn't cover. So kind of seeing those mm -hmm. blind spots with emerging aspects of the ecosystem, adding new curriculum over time. But the core lectures, the core fundamentals of, of Bitcoin, macroeconomics, blockchain, et cetera, those are pretty firm. But we're continuously you know, improving those slides as well to find the most effective way to help anyone with really zero context, zero technical background, finance background, economic background to feel pretty confident to speak proficiently on those subjects. And when's the next class begin? And when do we have yeah. to sign up by? The next cohort is starting October 4th. So you got a good month or two to get your application in, have our team review it, and then go through the process of making that decision as to whether or not this is the right fit for you based on your kind of personal and professional goals. But that is the that is the next start date, October 4th. Awesome. And you mentioned that you're getting into NFTs now. Is that per request? I know Pomp was a uh, you know big Bitcoin guy and probably still is at his core. Um, but where did the NFT stuff come from? So you're asking about me personally, you're asking about the, the training program. The training program. Yes. So the training program does offer an NFT certificate for completion. There's a couple of homework assignments or projects, however you choose to interpret them, uh, just to hold people accountable to. You know, anyone can say that they signed up for a training program, watched some lectures, and here you go. But we actually do mm -hmm. encourage people to submit some deliverables to prove that they've really understood some of the knowledge that we're teaching them. And once you've completed all of those projects successfully, there's an NFT certificate for completion of the program. The also, of course, the lectures cover NFTs because people really don't, you know, as much as Pomp does really believe, you know, Bitcoin first and foremost, the other aspects of the ecosystem, not every, just there's a lot of jobs at Bitcoin only companies. But if we want to help people get into the industry across the entire ecosystem, then we do have mm -hmm. to, of course, make sure that they understand the fundamentals of what NFTs are, kind of the history of them, what the social importance could be already is, has the potential to be, and not just, of course, like art NFTs, but the whole landscape of interesting use cases we're watching emerge. Awesome. And while I got you here, I want to ask you a couple uh, more personal questions just to get your opinion on some some crypto stuff. So this is a pretty all-encompassing Web3 show. One of the things we focused on a little bit more lately is the difference between Bitcoin and crypto. I actually came back with this question from, from Bitcoin Miami uh, in April. But how do you break that down, Lewis? I mean, I think Bitcoin is was a solution to a specific problem. And the problem was essentially like the blockchain was designed as this is our novel solution to solving the double spend problem. We've for years, you know, all the subsequent paper or uh, preliminary papers that preceded the white paper, like Bitgold, Bitcash, like all those projects were different attempts to create a sovereign digital money without all of the problems of permission institutions and kind of the shortcomings that prevented any of those from gaining traction. And the blockchain was kind of the novel solution that was finally able to resolve that problem of creating this censorship, peer-to-peer -peer financial ecosystem. I think crypto, uh, everything that's not Bitcoin, is, okay, someone just created this really interesting thing. What else can we do with it? And that interesting thing being blockchain? Blockchain. And kind of some of the, that's the core of it. And then kind of the other, the, the blockchain is not just one innovation, right? There's a lot of different things. It kind of opens people's minds to what can we do with like distributed computing, distributed networks, distributed like, it's not just about, right, because Bitcoin's about money, but then, it's, okay, what about the other layers of the internet that are, um, I'd, I'd say, that are vulnerable to 
centralized attacks or that are easily co-opted by an individual person. So decentralized ownership of things that aren't money, decentralized ownership of communication protocols. And then of course, the whole smart contract ecosystem is just decentralized enforcement of agreements. What's most interesting to you at this point, both from a curiosity standpoint and from an investment standpoint? Good question. The investment standpoint, I'll probably have a less sexy answer. I think that from a technology perspective, I think that the one of the problems that emerged in the internet is that the business model is based on, for the majority of websites, it's based on distraction, right? It's like, if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product kind of thing. That's kind of the old mm -hmm. adage about web two problems and the difficulty with their incentive model. So everything is ad monetized, which creates the incentive to keep you on the platform for as long as possible, which is how we kind of end up with like a mental health crisis with virtually every age demographic because social media platforms have really ruin the relationship mm -hmm. with a lot of like healthy mental health topics. So mm -hmm. I think that the Web3 ecosystem has a lot of potential to rethink the business models of social platforms, which mm -hmm. doesn't sound like, you know, this huge thing, but you think about how important this is to every aspect of the majority of people's lives. And if there's a way to, you know, still retain the benefits of being able to reach anyone across the world and maintain a large network and keep in touch with loose ties and share your story broadly without the damaging aspects like that the platforms are designed to essentially ruin your ability to concentrate and be happy. I think that, you know, with Web3, we have seen a model for micropayments emerge, whether that's on the Bitcoin Lightning Network as the way to do it, or if it's on some other something like Solana that has another high throughput. I'd say that's what I'm most excited about is how can all of these really interesting, powerful ideas from Web2 improve by having business models that don't rely on damaging individual psychology. That's awesome. You touched on the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Um, I'd love for you to give a brief overview of what that is and how it's going to make Bitcoin a payment currency. Yes. So I am not the most qualified technically to speak on the Lightning Network. So I'd encourage people to, I think Jameson Lop has some really fantastic resources on his website that'll probably make fewer mistakes than I might make in explaining it. <laughs> uh, but the Lightning Network is essentially a, a layer two. So there's layer twos in the broader Web3 ecosystem as well. But mm -hmm. the way I describe it is the Bitcoin Network was not designed for, you know, millions of global transactions happening per second, right? There's a, a finite cap to how big a block can be and how many transactions can go into that block. But the, what the Lightning Network says is let's do all of these kind of smaller transactions that aren't worth writing to the Bitcoin blockchain kind of separately peer to peer. And then after whatever period of time, we can aggregate them and write the net results. So if you know you and your mm -hmm. best friends, maybe you live in the same town and you go to the gym together and you buy lunch and one day you buy lunch and the next day your friend buys lunch and then you go to the store and you don't split up all your groceries. And so instead of just sending each other, you know, $5 here for lunch, $10 here for this, you just at the end of the week, you once you make one right to, okay, at the let's look at all the transactions, I owe you this. So it's letting a week elapse before making that right and making that change. Cause it's just inefficient to do all those transactions every single time they happen because you're up $5, he's up $5, you're up six, he's up six, or you can just see what it mm -hmm. is at the end of one week and aggregate the summary. So the lightning network kind of just takes things that you don't need the full, you know, you don't need every Bitcoin node around the world to confirm this like $3 purchase you just made mm -hmm. with your friends. So what if you and a group of 25 people, you know, peer to peer do a month of transactions or whatever time scale, those are kind of arbitrary numbers and coming up with. But if we just do off chain, a series of transactions with people we can trust. And then after a period of time, then finally like settle them to the core Bitcoin blockchain. That's like how I would describe it. But there's other people doing interesting things with other data types as well, besides just financial transactions. That's awesome. And so if the people out there are confused, want to learn a little bit more, um, let's loop back to the, the Pomp training course. I'll give you uh, another opportunity to just brief overview, link, uh, and maybe where the people can connect with you as well. Absolutely. So the POMP training program is called the Crypto Academy. You can find it at thecryptoacademy.io, or you can also find it on maven.com. I believe it's featured on the homepage there, or if you look under crypto or finance, any of those categories, you'll also find it. Three-week intensive training program if you're looking to transition into the Bitcoin or crypto industry, or just provide more value in your existing job by becoming extremely knowledgeable on all the topics we were discussing today. I'd highly encourage checking out the program. It's three weeks, super intensive. You're going to learn a ton. Next cohort starts on October 4th. And make sure that you mention Benzinga in your application so we know that you came from this show. If you're interested in connecting with me personally, you can find me on Twitter at Lewis Shulman. There's no C in Shulman. And that's how you can find me. Awesome. Lewis, thank you so much for your time today. Great chatting. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, guys. Alrighty, Ryan. 
some good stuff about Bitcoin there, but let's turn it back to NFTs and specifically the Ethereum name service. So uh, you you link this thread, the ENS name wrapper. Uh, I can share my screen, but why don't you start off with a little overview of, of what's going on here? Sure. So ENS is planning on implementing subdomains. So for example, if you have wallet.eth, then you could sell ryan.wallet.eth to me and logan.wallet.eth to Logan. So really interesting stuff, but it looks like the ENS owner will have full control over all of these domains. So I'm not really sure exactly how this will apply to to wallet ownership, Logan. It's it's interesting for sure. Um, but if the owner of the ENS domain has full control, um, say maybe they don't renew their ENS domain, then all of those subdomains will also not be renewed. So there is, I guess, a degree of trust here that you have to be wary of. Uh, but this looks really interesting, and it could be a way to make some income from those ENS domains that you've been holding on to. All right. I think I might be more confused than when I asked the question. Um, let's back up here. What is a subdomain? What's a, what's a domain to begin with? Ogan, you're the computer science student. I took business, <laughs> so I'm still learning my hotkeys on my computer. Uh, okay, so uh, a domain is uh, an address that points to something else. An Ethereum domain it points to a wallet. So you basically have this token uh, that's issued on the blockchain. Uh, let me share my screen right and here. This should work. It doesn't okay, only boom. have to be a wallet, right? It could be an NFT collection. It could be a protocol. It could be uh, a few different things here. I believe. Yes. Yes, definitely. Okay, so we're here on the website. Uh, we'll see a few of the ones that I own here. Um, and basically what we, what we have here, go to the white paper, decentralized naming for wallets, websites, and more. So you can create this new token, uh, which is a, a non-fungible token, and it points to either your wallet, your website, or you know whatever the, whatever the heck else. So like, uh, there's also some cool integrations. So this .xyz subdomain integrated for all .eth domains. So you can pick up your .eth domain for like 50 bucks, uh, point it to your wallet, and then boom, you automatically get this free website that will display all of your NFTs. Pretty cool, right? Uh, and you can also put in your Bitcoin wallet address, which I think is nice. All right. Um, all right. Back to the same. So what was I saying? So these are the Ethereum name service NFT domains. Uh, and they make basically they make Ethereum human readable. They make wallet addresses human readable. And this makes everything on chain a lot simpler, a lot easier to track, a lot easier to follow. Uh, and, and so this is the, the whole point here is to make it human readable. Um, so like Ryan was saying, you can have subdomains. So say you, you know, I have uh, loganross.eth, but let's just, let's just take, it, take it a step back. Say I have ross.eth. I can do logan.ross.eth. I can do my brother paxton.ross.eth. I can do the rest of my family, right? So uh, you see how subdomains are, are useful here. Next up, we have somebody like Coinbase. Coinbase can issue a subdomain to all of their customers. So ryan.coinbase.eth, logan.coinbase.eth. And this makes it super easy to send money to other people without having to worry about you know, the long 64-digit uh, address that often gets confused. This is where a huge amount of mistakes are made on the blockchain and in these blockchain transactions, which are irreversible. That's the key there is like the whole point of blockchain is that it's immutable, it's irreversible, it's a permanent record. Uh, and so mistakes are permanent as well. And, and mistakes are prone to happen when you have these really, really long at wallet addresses. Um, and, and so this is the, the point we're trying to avoid here. Not well, only can Coinbase do that, but they actually are planning on doing that, aren't they? Coinbase announced they are planning on doing that. They're going to be giving one of these domains to every single one of their clients, uh, which is really, really cool. And it's going to be huge for the realization of this technology. Um, but in order for this to happen, we need this new Ethereum upgrade. Okay, And this is uh, a new type of... Uh, it's a new technology, a new Ethereum improvement protocol that will allow for somebody like Coinbase to route the subdomain. So, so say like I want to send something to Ryan.coinbase.eth. Um, you know, in order to establish Ryan.coinbase.eth, you'd have to theoretically make it on-chain transaction, and that costs a ton of money, right? Uh, especially at scale. But what this new Ethereum improvement protocol would do, uh, I believe, is allow for Coinbase to be a trusted authority for their own subdomains. So Coinbase could, uh, you know, assign every single one of their customers a subdomain um, without 
any on-chain transactions, I believe. Um, this is huge, and this will allow it to scale like that. Um, but Ryan, you added this thread, and this thread looks like it's talking about something uh, slightly tangential to what I was just talking about. Um, sure, I don't want to go too deep into this because we do only have about six, seven minutes left before EPNS comes on for their interview, Ethereum push notification service. So definitely stay tuned for that, guys. Seven minutes away. But markets have been moving and they've been moving quite a lot. So I think we should talk about that at least yeah. briefly. Personally, I mean, I'm not super excited. Uh, I didn't sell any of my portfolio at the top and I haven't sold any here yet. Uh, but I am kind of starting to think it might be time. Uh, but I'm not going to do it, right? So the merge is coming up uh, tentatively on September 19th. So it's about a month and a half away. And I mean, that could be a huge, huge catalyst for the crypto markets. Ethereum is absolutely enormous. The implications of this are going to be absolutely insane. And Vitalik Buterin, co-founder of Ethereum, was on Bankless last week. And he never, ever, ever talks about price of Ethereum or token prices at all. Uh, but he did say that he expects the merge not to be priced in, which is kind of ridiculous because, like I said, he never talks about prices. Even to get that comment from Vitalik, I think is really interesting. Um, so I'm staying tuned for the merge. I'm not selling. Uh, but I mean, these price movements, they're looking good, man. They're looking good. You don't think it's like a, you know, sell buy the rumor, sell the news type of thing? I mean, obviously, the the mechanics of the upgrade are going to uh, be permanent and very effective, uh, but that might take time. Mm -hmm. Remember when EIP-1559 came out? Yeah, what happened? Can we go back and see what happened to the charts when 1559 came out? Remember when it was? It was July, like mid-July, mid-late July. Mid-late July. Mid -July. Uh, well, if that <laughs> is the case, boom. Well, there we go. We have our Ripping. answer, I think. And for those of you unfamiliar, EIP-1559 was a huge improvement proposal on Ethereum that came out last year that implemented token burning with transactions. Uh, so the issuance rate on Ethereum right now is around 4%, and EIP-1559 has been consistently burning about 2% of that. So our real issuance rate on Ethereum right now is around 2%. Uh, but when the merge happens, the issuance is actually going to decrease from 4% to 0.4%. So after accounting for the burn mechanism put in place by EIP-1559, Ether tokens will actually become deflationary. Um, at least in theory, we'll see if it plays out, but it seems like it is going to because we have been burning about 2% of Ether supply now uh, over almost a year. I guess now it has been a year um, and it's been about negative 2%. So uh, expected issuance, net issuance of Ether after the merge is right around negative one and a half percent, which I think is pretty exciting to see Ether become a scarcer and scarcer asset over time. Uh, I guess we'll see the implications of that in a, about a month and a half. So is it even possible to price something like this in? No, absolutely not. I don't think so. But I mean, it will get priced in uh, when the merge goes live. Uh, like I said, September 19th is the tentative date. I'm really excited for it. But the markets, man, I mean, $1,700 Ether feels pretty good. Bitcoin's hovering right around $24,000. And I didn't touch on this when we covered Tesla selling their Bitcoin. But I mean, the markets didn't really react to the news, right? Obviously, they reacted when, when Tesla sold off their position. Uh, but they didn't really react to the news, which I found was you know kind of interesting. Maybe the weekends are already out of the market, not really paying attention. That wasn't really the case when Tesla said they bought Bitcoin, right? I mean, the price pumped up from there. Uh, over the next few weeks, but we did not see that happen when they announced their sale of Bitcoin. Yeah, I don't think the paper hands are really paying attention, nor do they have any Bitcoin left at that point. Um, but what ended up happening is all of the diamond handers started pumping the price, sending it up as a big middle finger to Mr. Musk, which I thought was hilarious and classic. Uh, and it's been like two years since one of those moments have happened. So uh, maybe that's a sign of the bottom. I don't know. Did Elon <laughs> did Elon sell the bottom? I mean, I guess he sold this this range right here. Yeah. Uh, so he didn't sell the bottom, but he announced maybe the bottom. Yeah, uh, I mean that that's fair, I guess. He sold off, like I said, about twenty nine thousand dollars. So I mean, he could buy in now and have more Bitcoin than he had when he sold. Uh, yeah, I think it was actually this range right here, right? 
Uh, yeah, that looks is where Elon sold yeah. from. All right, Ryan. Uh, we talked about Ethereum name service. We gave the overview uh, of what the technology is, why it's useful. Uh, we talked about Bitcoin a little bit, and we've looked at the price charts. We talked about some news, uh, and now we have an interview coming up. Uh, why don't you brief us on that? Yeah, I see Risha is backstage. Like I said, we met in NFT NYC, and they're creating EPNS, Ethereum Push Notification Service. Really interesting project. Uh, and like I said at the beginning of the show, they're backed by some huge players that we'll get into. Uh, but essentially, they're creating push notifications for your DeFi wallet so you can get notified of all the transactions and all the things going on from governance to DeFi. Some really exciting stuff. I see Risha is backstage, so let's get her on the show. Let's dive right into it. Because uh, I'm really excited for this interview. Alrighty, I'm gonna bring Risha on right now. I'm gonna stop the screen share. Hey, how are you? Hey guys, hi, hi, Ryan. Nice to see you again. Hi, Logan. Yeah, likewise. I'm good. Risha. How are you? We're doing well. Uh, you guys just actually got back from Paris. We had a, a reporter there in, at ETHCC in Paris for ETHCC 5. Unfortunately, I was unable to make it. It looked really, really cool. I mean, Paris uh, is a fashion hub, and I love the crypto merch. Uh, I wasn't able to get any from Paris, unfortunately. Uh, but it, it looked like a great conference. I mean, Vitalik spoke about Ethereum's roadmap. A ton of cool things were going on. Polygon was talking about their ZK EVM. Uh, what was your take on ETHCC? What did you guys do there? How did you like the conference? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, definitely miss you not being there. And we did meet at the Reed from Bazinga, I think one of your team members. Super exciting. He was very gracious. Uh, he did an interview with Harsh, who I see is also here. He's the founder of EPNS. Uh, if, so I think for me, like the biggest takeaway from ETCC is definitely like coming, it was my first, like first ETCC in person. So I was super excited just to get in, you know, just to meet people and kind of, uh, deliver my talk as well as Harsh's talk. But I think other than that, just meeting all everybody from the community is always exciting. Uh, very cool talks, very cool, uh, product launches. I think on the same day, there were like three ZK EVM launches, which mm -hmm. is pretty, pretty exciting as well. But uh, yeah, uh, I think all in all, uh, super like uh, love the conference, love the vibe, and yeah, this is like pretty awesome. Yeah. So just to add to this, Ryan, and you know, thanks for having us, Logan. Right. So uh, yeah, there was an internal joke about Paris. Like uh, we had this group of founders, and we were just talking about things, and the internal joke was that. Uh, that you need to wear pants when you are in Paris because uh, French uh, fashion police they uh, will not allow shorts, and it so <laughs> happened to be the hottest day in Paris, so everyone was in shorts, and then we were all clicking pictures and sending it to the group. So that was like just a fun bit. Other than that, like the vibes were cool. Uh, everyone wanted, uh, uh, or everyone was waiting for Ethereum merge. Everyone was excited to be there. Uh, I mean, uh, ETCC, I think uh, that's like uh, the Europe uh, conference for Ethereum. So everyone had cool ideas and good products that they wanted to showcase, including us. And we had a blast doing that. So before we dive deeply into EPNS, I'd love to get your guys' background in the crypto space. What caused you to create EPNS? Uh, and then maybe a high-level overview of what the protocol's mission is. Awesome. So I can probably deep dive into it. Like, uh, what caused me to create uh, EPNS? So EPNS stands for Ethereum Push Notification Service. Uh, it's a bit of a misnomer because what we are doing is we are creating this communication protocol for entire Web3. Uh, but yeah, what uh, basically uh, made us create EPNS? Uh, well, it's around 2019 uh, when we sat down. Uh, to basically see what are the problems that people haven't solved. And we went through a lot of dApps and a lot of protocols. And we started comparing the experience uh, with Web2. And what we realized was that uh, uh, dApps and smart contracts uh, in Web3, they were not 
doing communication properly to their users. So, I mean, just think about it. Like everything starts with a notification for us. Uh, when we get up in the morning, we look at our phone and we see all the important notifications, email, Venmo, uh, uh, PayPal payment, Amazon delivery, anything from our bank, even the WhatsApp chat that we do, that's uh, notifications. And uh, when you come to Web3, uh, Web3 then uh, create a communication protocol uh, for the usernames that are wallet addresses. So how we take it granted, like we can talk on Twitter through Twitter usernames or how we take it granted that we can talk on WhatsApp, on WhatsApp usernames that are mobile phone numbers. Uh, for Web3, those, those usernames are wallet addresses and there was nothing that was built on, no one was really working on it when we started, which was I think at Hackman 2020. Uh, wherein the idea was like create this communication protocol so that any smart contract, any DAP, uh, any backend, or uh, any protocol can just send uh, communications which are tied to user wallet addresses. And uh, this uh, basically is done in an open, gasless, and multi chain way. So the idea is just like how Ethereum data is available to any crypto wallets, this communication data is available to any crypto wallets. And therefore, the UX becomes a lot more easier. Like in the future, people can go to any crypto wallet of their choice. And if that crypto wallet has uh, integrated the uh, push protocol or the APNS protocol, they can essentially see all the communications. And uh, the reason why we choose to start with notifications was because, as I said, everything starts with notification. Even WhatsApp is a notification. So we had to get that done right before we move on to chat and of course after that on to video so yeah yeah and, and Risha, just want to, go, uh, go ahead Risha, go ahead yeah so i just want to like uh, maybe just you know for really man like very simply explain like use cases when we talk about hush spoke about how there are like you know what uh, notifications tied to wallet addresses right now we are all uh, tied to our you know domain names like uh, ens domains or crypto domains so i could be richard or Ed. If I'm about to, you know, lose my domain, I want to be notified about it before I my domain name expires, or if I have a loan on a DeFi protocol, Aave or Compound, I want to be notified about it before the um, the loan gets liquidated. Uh, NFTs as well, we are already talking about them right now. If somebody would bid for an NFT, I've already bid, and I don't come to know about it. I have to go back to the platform. So platforms should be able to send you notification that hey, somebody outbid you. Do you want to? Uh, you know, raise your bid or a new mm. NFT artist drops a collection, they want to reach out or retarget their current audience that, hey, my, mm. you know, new collection is out. You liked it last time, you bid for it. Why don't you uh, bid for it again? So the use cases are like multiple. And I think um, just to improve the user experience in Web3, uh, a communication, a Web3 native communication uh, protocol, a proto protocol layer is essential. Uh, so we can, you know, push the boundaries of a better user experience in the space. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day to find out more. Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And so you mentioned this was gasless, harsh. Um, so is this off-chain then? 
I can't hear you. Uh, I think when you switched headphones, maybe the microphone hasn't updated. If you click the settings button right below, right below our, uh, our faces here. Risha, do you want to take this one? Uh oh, wait. Are we muted? No, I think we're good. I think uh, we should be good. Awesome. Uh, that's a that's an amazing question, Logan. So uh, uh, I mean, the V zero of the protocol, like when we built, uh, the idea was like uh, let's do a communication middleware smart contract, and the idea was like every uh, service or every protocol will talk to it. Uh, but yeah, that was when the Ethereum gas prices was pretty pretty high. And uh, because, you know, when we started, we started, uh, uh, I mean, we started by talking to a lot of protocols like MakerDAO or Kineswap or ENS. And the idea was like, guys, this is needed, so help us build it out. So in the very start, it became very clear that uh, uh, notifications are going to be unique for all the users. And uh, what that basically led to the conclusion was that if you want to make it multi-chain, which was the vision from 2020 or uh, if you want to make it like uh, you can send like millions of notifications out uh, this cannot survive on a smart contract because because the smart contract will be limited by the transaction batching and so that basically led us to invent uh, this network or uh, this network of validators uh, so in essence, when we are talking gasless, the idea is that if you're a DAP protocol or a backend, uh, what you do is you generate your communication payload and you sign it with EIP 712 and you send it out to push nodes. Uh, push nodes are basically validator nodes that basically validates everything and indexes everything at a high level. And uh, if validation goes through uh, from EIP 712, then those communications are admitted. And for smart contracts, we still follow the same V0 concept, wherein if you are a smart contract and you want to interact uh, or send the notification out, then all you need to do is interact with the uh, smart contract. And push nodes basically are listening to this one smart contract. So any communication that comes are also indexed. So that's how we achieve gaslessness or near gaslessness in a way. Because if a smart contract sends a transaction, then of course that's not gasless. But for 95 or 98 percent of the cases, it's uh, backend or the app or the protocol directly sending the notification out, and in that case, it's gasless. And I love this idea of EPNS. I feel like it's super, super useful in DeFi right now. Um, I mean, I only get liquidated like once a week. So that's only like one notification I get a week. Whereas on my phone, you know, I'll get thousands of notifications a week. Uh, so my question is, why will push notifications for crypto become more necessary as the industry develops? Got it. So you actually, you actually said it to yourself, like uh, you get liquidated once a week and you don't want to basically go through that experience. Uh, I mean, when we, even when we started, like one of the judges was Mariano Conti and he was like that, you know, I'm so scared that I'll be liquidated. So, you know, the father of DeFi, when they say that, you know, they're scared of getting liquidated. So you get uh -huh. the point. Uh, so the idea is that like everything we do uh, starts with communication. Like uh, you don't go out for a holiday and the bank is like, when you come back, oh, sorry, this is not your house anymore. You were not there <laughs> and there was no way to reach you. So we just put those <laughs> So the idea was that like uh, DeFi basically went the go-to-market because DeFi was the thing that uh, the user required. I mean, notifications was required the most in DeFi. But then a lot of cases opened up, uh, like for example, ENS. So you have your domain name and you don't want to lose your domain name. And uh, before APNS, what ENS did was they tweeted it out, like, you know, 50% of domain names are expiring. And uh, that tweet was just a way for them to reach out to the users. So, I mean, what, what we derived from this was like, this was not just about DeFi. I mean, you take any protocol and the best thing they can do to improve the experience is to uh, communicate with their users. So DeFi, of course, loan liquidations, epoch, yield farm changes, 
all of those things like very direct connection but think about ens or think about governance like a lot of people don't know that the governance proposals are coming and going like at that point when we started the yam proposal was something which they wanted to get approved and epns was not there because we were not on mainnet at that point of time and now we are integrated with yam as well but yeah uh, that is one thing uh, so even if you think about governance or DAOs, you know, so many proposals can be made, uh, users can be made aware of so many proposals. And not only that, like it improves the UX in a way that uh, users can be notified like in the very near future with the proposal and the yes and no. So they can just uh, say yes and no right from their mobile. They don't have to log into anywhere else to do that. So that's just, you know, governance or DAOs and NFT, ANS or, uh, I'm sorry, Aave and Maker, which is DeFi that we covered. But now you come to NFTs and Metaverse. So Metaverse, I mean, one of the things that we saw was Decentraland through a party. And what they said was that, guys, let's gather in Decentraland and let's have a Zoom call at the same time. So A, you are dogs because your username is now known. And B, it's such a broken interface with EPNs being there. Now you're talking to those wallet addresses. So now Metaverse basically becomes better. Uh, coming to NFTs, like NFT owners, they can basically negotiate. Like I want to sell this NFT out for like, let's say 20 ETH, but you know, the other person wants it in 18 ETH. At this point, there's no way for these two things to uh, basically come to an agreement, uh, which is something that happens in the Web2 world a lot. Uh, so yeah, EPNS solves that. And uh, even taking it further, like, you know, I like an NFT artist. I don't know when they will launch a collection and I will not be notified about it. So again, that is one thing, one problem that EPNS solves. Uh, even right now, like OpenSea sent out an email to me like 25 days back uh, saying that my email and my wallet address because I have linked them and they provided it to a third party. So it's doxed. And I was very furious about that because uh, I was like, I could understand that when the three communication was not there, that you will not go for it. But now, why do you want to connect your three wallet to an email? just do the things in the native way and that's where epns uh, helps fill in the gap but you know tldr for the most common users when you send crypto out or into your wallet you don't get to know about it epns just solves that as well there's been a lot of buzz in the crypto community lately about Lens Protocol, and I see there for, to be a lot of potential collaboration opportunities between Lens Protocol and EPNS. Is that something you guys are considering? So we are friends with Lens. We just created a thing with shorts. And I think we will probably refrain from saying anything further but yeah lens or any other social protocol like epns is something which is a like it's a win-win synergy yeah. Uh, yeah. so yeah uh, yeah i mean just there, want to add a lot to of that. Synergy and a lot of things that we can do with lens let's just yeah. leave it at that yeah and maybe we'll be back ryan with like some alpha in a couple of months okay all right uh, we'll yeah. stay tuned i mean we, we I, I think Nitsha just said 90% of the things out, but yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear some more about the conference, specifically Vitalik's talk about the uh, Ethereum roadmap. Uh, if you guys want to take it away, I'd love that. Got it, got it. So unfortunately, I did miss that uh, talk out. At that point of time, uh, IOC was having a parallel talk and... Uh, uh, me and Richard, we were invited as speakers, so we couldn't uh, uh, really get to the talk. Uh, so yeah, I heard it's very interesting. I mean, Kevin did tweet about it. And uh, ideally, I should have watched it because it's been a week and I haven't written to it. So I plan to do that. But yeah, it would be dishonest to say that it was very cool when I was not there. So let me just watch it and then I can come back with comments. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cer certainly interesting. Where do you see um, yourselves fitting into the future of Ethereum from a broad perspective? I know um, I just asked the chat out there 
you know, if they have any questions for you and it doesn't seem like uh, maybe they get it from a high level. Um, so if you could do like a very, very bird's eye view uh, for the chat about EPNS, that'd be awesome. Got it. So uh, where do we fit in for Ethereum? Well, uh, I, I can answer it in three phases. So first, where do we fit in Ethereum? So any protocol that is on Ethereum, uh, it needs communication and it needs notifications. And to this day, I think EPNS project is the only uh, project that sends those notifications in a Web3 way and uh, uh, in a way that makes sure that uh, everything that you're doing, whether it's on-chain or off-chain, uh, it can be basically communicated to you as a web user. Uh, what is next for us on Ethereum? So, of course, as I said, like everything starts with a notification, but notification is the base point. After that is chat, and that's what we are bringing. We are coming out with wallet-to-wallet chat very, very soon. In fact, I think we announced it in January with our Ethereum mainnet launch. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, now almost ready for the alpha try. So it's going to come out uh, within a few weeks. Uh, what's the vision of EPNS? So, I mean, we love Ethereum. We love the Ethereum community. We basically were the ones who made sure that EPNS and the communication layer happened publicly. Uh, so yeah. That's why, you know, we are launching everything on Ethereum first, because of course, that's the only way to get innovation done, launch on Ethereum. But after that, the vision is to become the Web3 native layer, which basically means, and the vision is that even a service of Solana can talk to you on a MetaMask or on a Trust Wallet and can say that, hey, you might have used Solana or you might have used Avalanche uh, service at one point of time. And there is this DeFi thing or NFT thing you did and it requires your attention. And it flows to, to you, no matter what Web3 uh, wallet you are on. Or even a user of Avalanche or a user of uh, L2 can communicate with you even when you are on Ethereum or any other layer tools. So, even any other uh, blockchain at that, uh, for that matter. And basically you guys can talk and you guys can do things like how you do things with the web to world or how you do things on Twitter or how you do things on WhatsApp or how you do things on uh, FaceTime. Uh, what does EPNS basically bring to the table? Uh, well, EPNS just unlocks communication. Uh, Probably nothing, but if you just think about it, like Facebook, Twitter, uh, Telegram, Discord, uh, any favorite games you play, any favorite services you use, everything is just notifications and communication. So yeah, that's that's what EPNS is all about. And EPNS has a native token on Ethereum called Push. Could you explain what role Push token plays in EPNS? Got it. So push basically has four pillars. Uh, the way we built push out was, of course, uh, as I said, like uh, this communication protocol is decentralized. And that means that uh, uh, we need validators. We need people to run validators. And of course, that means that proof of stake comes into picture. So that's the first pillar of push. The second pillar of push is that push uh, in itself is a very live communication middleware living on a smart contract and therefore it needs decentralized control so push uh, token holders they are able to adjust settings of these protocol or adjust setting of this communication middleware these settings can range for what is the fees when you activate uh, your protocol and our protocol to send notification out when you update your uh, protocol information was a fee that should be charged uh, when you are sending uh, uh, when when you are blocked from doing something through on-chain governance like what is a fee that uh, uh, needs to be with uh, withheld uh, and you know again what is the spam control range that would be set or what is the amount of notification that should be said, like this is too much or not. 
So all of these utility functions, the push uh, token enables the users to essentially keep with that. Then the third thing is of course governance, which is what you guys are sharing right now. And the push governance, like we basically put 53% of push tokens for the community. Out of which I think 35% of push tokens still remain. And the idea is like, the token holders decide like what is the vision and future of the protocol um, what features do they want to expect or what grants do they want to give to grow the ecosystem also that's the third pillar the fourth pillar is however the coolest one so i spoke about the second pillar which is about settings and people and all of it is not going to any centralized thing it's just going to the protocol and what we designed in the push token was a time-based speed, uh, which basically now enables a push holder to define uh, how much of the fee pool belongs to them because they are partaking in the network and how much of the fee pool should also go to crypto wallets that integrate the EPNS protocol. Because in the end, it's not just about sending notifications, it's about receiving as well. And that is how uh, we have designed this circular economy of push. And that's all the four things that push token usually does. That's really cool. Have there been any recent governance proposals that have passed that you guys are working on? Uh, yeah, I think there around there have been around eight governance proposals that have been yeah. passed. I think one has been rejected. Not very sure, but. I'm very sure one has been rejected. The best proposal that was passed was uh, about Jump. So uh, Jump uh, basically reached out to us and they're also a part of our Series A. So they were like, uh, we can market make for you guys. And I think around 5 million uh, push uh, token voted in favor or 4 million, which was purely like single hand win for Jump. Uh, 4 million out of the 15 million we had in circulating supply at that point. So yeah, that was the most famous proposal that went out. Other than that, there have been grants with developers coming in. And uh, I think one of the proposal that is uh, live right now, it's about Tolan, which is a 2D game. And they want to basically include push and uh, uh, the way push characters can be uh, in the 2D game. I'm not very sure about that proposal because mostly when the proposals happen, I usually keep myself away. Uh, but yeah, uh, around eight proposals have been passed when it comes to grants. Uh, we also have a Roxa NFT, which is like uh, a unique uh, uh, Indian uh, artist designed NFT. Like we released uh, around 100 of them in volume one and 100 of them in volume two. And these NFTs are not bought. These are just given out to a community holder who basically collaborates or does something for the push, especially in the development side. And these uh, NFTs also have like 900 push tokens attached to them. So those voting happen every week and that has been happening for 100 weeks. So yeah, uh, ideally it's like 100 and not, not 100 weeks, I think, ideally it's around uh, 64 proposals that have been gone through governance, eight of them being the grant side and uh, 54 or 55 of them uh, are from the Rockstar's NFT side. Very interesting. And Logan has pulled up right here. A lot of your backers, some really, really impressive people on here. I see Meta Cartel. I see the Lao. I see Jump. But one sticks out. I'm not sure if they're on this page, but one sticks out David a little too. bit more. Oh, David, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, but one sticks out a little bit more than the rest. The Ethereum Foundation. I'm really curious. What's your involvement with the Ethereum Foundation? Got it. So it's a very interesting story. I yeah. think without ethereum foundation we wouldn't have been here so uh what what happened was like 2019 we developed this idea uh 2020 like it took three four months to get the architecture right like people think communication is easy it's really not especially notifications are really really hard to do and then you introduce peer-to-peer -peer, then you introduce uh, a decentralization it's uh, gets really really tough but yeah, four months down the line, 2019 end, we discovered this problem. Four months down the line, 
we created this architecture and like every founder i think i uh, had this problem or me and richard we both had this problem like how to reach out to ethereum foundation or how to reach out to people because we were like that the idea might be too stupid so took 10 days of courage uh, for me to send that uh, email out to ethereum foundation and uh, once i sent it out uh, the idea at that point was like i would tell this to ethereum foundation like this is needed and uh, the best people who can execute this communication layer is ethereum foundation itself because at that point of time i was like uh, uh, people will listen to them the most it makes sense like communication layer needs to come from um, like the os itself like how apple does it or how google does it i was not thinking in the factory way so uh, that was the first point uh, at which uh, we connected with ethereum foundation and uh, yeah i was scared and what ethereum foundation did was they replied back and they said uh, that uh, hey the idea sounds cool it hasn't been built but we cannot uh, give you a grant on the idea so at that point of time we were just looking for the grant and we were just looking that pass it as a eip now uh, we were not even looking for multi chain at that specific point of time so we were like uh, okay uh, what do you want us to do so they were like uh, these are the hackathons that are going to happen and why don't you go ahead and build the idea out and we'll see about uh, after that so the the thing was uh i almost gave up on the idea because i was like we we'll go and build and then what will happen who knows and uh, the only thing that convinced me to go ahead and build on it was because the type of message which uh, the ethereum foundation wrote was very very customized like it spoke about my idea it spoke about like you are trying to solve this specific thing and while people haven't done that some of the people have tried in a alternate direction or some of the people had similar things which you wanted to do but they haven't been doing that so take a note from it so that that uh, customized message basically made me go to hackmany and on hackmany of course you know when i shared the idea uh and the first person who replied to the idea was stanley from ave and stanley was like this is a cool idea and i might personally use it so at that point of time you feel motivated so that was how apns basically started and once the hackathon was done uh, of course you know it started a string of journey for us but then we went back to ethereum foundation and i was like you might not remember me but Uh, I wrote to you, and Ethereum Foundation or Ken was there. Was like, no, of course, Harsh. I was so happy that you came over there. Our job is to basically uh, make sure that every builder who has a vision comes to Ethereum, and that's when we realized like the power of Ethereum Foundation and the way Ethereum community treats you. So that is where the love stemmed, and then at that point of time, they were like, tell us how you can, how we can help. and at that point of time i had started tweeting about the idea that i had started tweeting about the idea and the community was loving the idea and we were getting replies or comments from dan of metamask like you cannot do everything on chain which in hindsight he was absolutely right or even graphs like this is such a cool idea uh janak basically replied so a lot of people replied so i got that love which basically motivated me to do things and then i told the ethereum foundation help me know how to raise and how to build a startup and they were like okay fine uh, uh, they connected me to uh, kartik also uh, who was uh, who heads each global and who's the uh, i think who's the general manager of e capital and uh, kartik and ken uh, they basically said and we'll help you what what's your pitch deck uh come just give us your pitch and i went over there and you know i gave them uh, uh the pitch for an hour and they listened and then they were like cut it short uh, to 30 minutes and then i again went over there gave the pitch for an hour and this happened for six time and you know 
they listen patiently every time and they give all the feedback every time so that is how you know uh, uh, we basically uh, got to know ethereum foundation and we basically got to know the love from ethereum foundation finally i got the pitch right to 15 minutes or i think ken who's from ethereum foundation he didn't want to listen to the seven pitch he was like i am uh, in and uh, uh we basically said that we want ethereum foundation as mentors and they told us like every project that works with ethereum is uh, has ethereum foundation as mentor but yeah that's how the ethereum foundation relationship started and that's how we got ken from ethereum foundation to back the project up yeah and just want to like quickly just add like one quick point like anybody who's a builder out there who's listening to the uh, live stream that i think sometimes you just need validation from people so just the community is very open like i think that's just beauty of our space the web3 community just reach out to people uh people want to help each other out and i think most of them like do listen to you and help each other out and i think that's what like uh, ef has done for us for for so many other projects there Risha Harsh incredible story. Thank you so much for jumping on Mooner Bus today and sharing it with us. Uh unfortunately we're out of time, uh, but we'd love to chat with you again uh in the future or meet up with you at the next conference. So we're looking forward to it and uh, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com/purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93% of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com/podcast that's indeed.com/podcast terms and conditions apply